All right, I'll let Josh kick it off with number one, the Jaguars, picking Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was uh, what originally we thought would be the slam dunk number one QB until we kind of we got closer into draft time. We see guys like Sims, you know, the quarterback guru who had Zach Wilson number one. I saw other guys I follow who had Trey Lance number one. I mean, for me, it was never in question. There's a clear separation with Trevor Lawrence. He's there's no flaws in this game whatsoever. I felt he's a generational talent at QB, the best QB prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, really, this was never a discussion for me. I don't I don't know about you, but for me, there was a huge separation. Yeah, well, I was kind of surprised by that too. Sims usually has that a little bit of an out of the box rankings at QB for sure, but we knew this pick was coming for the last three years. Like, let's be real. Like we knew this was happening. Like as soon as like the season wrapped up from college football, like we knew Lawrence was going on. It was just a matter oh, yeah. of where that was a matter of where he was going to end up. And uh, Jacksonville Urban Meyer, it is. So we'll see how that works out. So number two, I know you have some strong thoughts about the Jets and how they handled the quarterback situation, but Zach Wilson is the pick there. See, I mean, he was my second-rated quarterback. I think he, you know, they if they were dead set on taking a QB, they did make the right pick here. I mean, he doesn't have these like massive concerns in his game, like I kind of sh- like I kind of had with Fields or Lance. Like I like his skill set. He's got a big arm. He can make you know throws on the run. But this isn't the pick I would have made. I would have made the trade with San Francisco or made a trade with a team interested. I know Philly was kind of rumored to want to move up to take Zach Wilson. I would have rolled with Darnold and gotten that haul like the Miami Dolphins did for ultimately Trey Lance from the 49ers. It's not the direction I would have went in. I don't hate to pick them. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Like, how much better are the Jets from this time last year, realistically? Just a different quarterback, kind of the same spot. Teams kind of bare bones around them to this point. We can... Hey, like who knows? Joe Joe Douglas might do his thing, might build it up around him. But I kind of agree. Like you either trade out or keep Darnold. Like picks like uh, Panay Sewell and like just give him that blindside block for the next decade. But I mean, Wilson's the pick. Let's see if the Jets could do better this time, surrounding him with talent. And I think they will because this situation now, like Adam Gase is gone. Robert Sala, I, I have a hunch that he's going to be better than Adam Gase because you can't believe That's not he very any, hard. <laughs> we're not really setting the bar very high there. But I mean, like, I, I, I think he is in a much better situation. He's got weapons. At least he has Mackay Becton, who looks like a franchise left tackle now. He's got Corey Davis. He's got Elijah Moore. Like, he ha- is in a, let's not kid ourselves, he's in an infinitely better situation than rookie Sam Darnold was. Right. Yeah, I was thinking more compared to last year. I mean, the roster is still not good. I yeah. think they're going to win like three games tops, but like, that's just me. Yeah. Oh, so at number three, the 49ers, after it feels like abundant speculation that Mac Jones was going to be the pick here. They go with Trey Lance from North Dakota State, who only played in one game this season. What are your thoughts on that pick? And he wasn't good in that game either. But you know really what? Wasn't. If it was between those two, they made the right pick. I didn't. I never really bought the Mac Jones BS for a second. I thought Mac Jones going from Jimmy G to Mac Jones at best was a lateral move. Um, I, Lance isn't without his concerns though. Yes, he has this tantalizing skill set of you know the big arm and the legs, but like his accuracy at times was horrifying. But 
I'm happy that he walked into the best QB situation since Patrick Mahomes. He's going to get to sit. He's going to get to develop. Like he's a guy in fantasy in dynasty. I think he's my QB one, to be completely honest, ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Especially dynasty. I totally get that for sure. Um, For me, I kind of the same boat, not a huge Mac Jones fan. I kind of had Mac Jones closer to Kellen Mond than I did the top four QBs, but um, yeah, for Lance's fit, the, Sample size concerns me. Kind of the same concerns I had with Mitch Trubisky coming out, to be honest with you. Not a huge sample size. A lot, people just kind of bought into the hype. Of course, small school, but I mean, that's kind of less of a concern these days. But yeah, I think sitting behind uh, Garoppolo, hopefully for a whole year, will benefit him. And yeah, Kyle Shanahan's offense, similar to McVay's, what he did with uh, Goff the first couple of years, definitely helps out a quarterback. All right. And next, Kyle Pitts. Take him by the Falcons at four. What do you think about that? I think, you know, Kyle Pitts is just, he's, he's not human. He's, he's the, he was the best non-QB, probably the best non-QB in the draft. He's just, he's just a freak. He's, you know, he's a generational. We're going to hear that word a couple of times today. We heard it with Trevor Lawrence. It's a word I don't just throw around. But that's, that's for a whole nother day. Um, you know, he was a generational talent at tight end. I said he was the best tight end prospect I've seen since Vernon Davis. I think he might've even been better than Vernon Davis. Um, there's nothing really much that needs to be said. He's at worst. I think his floor is Darren Waller in the NFL and his ceiling. Honestly, who knows? We've never seen a tight end like this before. My biggest thing with Pitts, not really a tight end. Definitely more of a receiver. Um, his average, the below average uh, blocking skill, in my opinion. Um, but like his receiving skills off the charts, super athletic. Yeah, I think it could be a good piece in this Atlanta offense because they'll have Matt Ryan at least for the next two years based on cap hit alone. They can't really move on from him. But yeah, fantasy, I feel like day one production will be there. So you'll probably be in the tier one of tight ends getting taken. And I know you have a lot to say about this pick. Bengals going chase instead of Suell at five. Thoughts on that? Well, okay, I'll be clear. Listen, I love Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was my top wide receiver in the draft. I think he's great. I think my comp for him was DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I think he's going to be a phenomenal pro. My problem is with Bengals fans out there, the last image you have of your franchise quarterback, your number one overall pick, the savior, Joe Burrow, is him being carted off with his, with his injury. Now, wouldn't you make priority one protecting this guy? You have, I'm going to say the word again, a generational offensive line prospect in Penny Sewell sitting there and you pass on him, one receiver, you can argue is one of the strongest points on the, they don't have a lot of strong points. Receiver, T. Higgins, to me, looks like an up-and-coming superstar. Tyler Boyd, one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Like, what are you guys doing passing on on Penay Sewell here? That's, you know, that's my thoughts on it. Right. I'm kind of with you there. I'm a little bit higher on Jonah Williams and uh, Riley Reef than I feel like most people are. So, like, I get it. Like, I get passing on Sewell, but I feel like Sewell projects to be much better than either of those two players at the same time. I feel like Chase, I feel like that pick had a lot to do with Joe Burrow probably pounding the table for Jamar Chase, uh, rekindle that connection from their uh, national championship run. But totally agree. Chase, special talent at the receiver position, probably make a day one impact, especially with AJ Green gone. Next to Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, should be fun. Um, the Dolphins at six after making a couple trades, first trading from three to 12 with uh, San Francisco and then back up to six with Philadelphia, take Jalen Waddle from Alabama. What'd you think about that? 
I mean, this one definitely kind of threw me for a loop. I thought that their pick was going to be whoever Cincinnati didn't take. I, you know, Cincinnati, we kind of knew, had it narrowed down to Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell. I thought, okay, well, the Dolphins will just take whoever Cincinnati doesn't. So this threw me for a loop, but I like I like Jalen Waddle. He's probably got, after the catch, maybe the fa- he's probably the fastest wide receiver I've ever seen. Like, I think he would have been a real contender to break John Ross's 40-time record. Um, he's shown flashes of being a dominant route runner at times. Just maybe got to be a little bit more consistent. But again, you already have Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki. You signed Will Fuller. Like, Panay Sewell would have been a pick here. Let's not kid ourselves. Yes, the Dolphins did add to that offensive line last year in the draft. It's still not a strong offensive line. Like, Panay Sewell, no questions asked, would have been my pick. Right. I, I'm with you there. Austin Jackson played decent last year for them at a left tackle. I agree that I'm surprised by wide receiver at six, just because they had Devonte Parker, Mike Gusecki, and they signed Will Fuller. Mind you, Will Fuller was only a one-year deal. So like, who knows like the longevity in uh, Miami for him. Um, I thought they could have used Devonte Smith more, just the type of receiver he is. I feel like he's the more of a volume target where Jalen Waddle's definitely more like the four catches for like 90 something yards more than like six for like 112 either way another target for Tua let's see if Tua can do this I'm a little bit higher than most on Tua so I think he will but uh I think he project well in this Dolphins offense yeah no I'm definitely I'm definitely a lot I feel really good about Tua heading into this year um I still got kind of concerns with the running game like I don't love yeah. Miles Gaskin there, but he, there's no excuses now for Tua. He needs to take a step forward. He's got an abundance of targets. Yeah, I feel like they're they had a good plan going to the draft. I think they really wanted uh, they really wanted to run it back to second round, but of course the uh, Broncos jumped them for that. Yeah. At number seven, Detroit, Sewell falls into their lap. Slam dunk pick. What were your thoughts? I mean, as soon as I saw this pick be announced, I thought the Lions just won the draft. They got. I think the best player in the entire draft. He's a once in a generation offensive line prospect, the best I've ever seen, probably the best since Tony Mandrich and how, and I think it's going to work out differently than Tony Mandrich. I think we can all hope, but um, no, I just, I thought it was ridiculous how he felt the number seven. He's the kind of guy, if I was the jets, I would have legitimately had discussions about taking him at number two. Yeah. I'm with you there immense talent i feel like he got unnecessarily penalized for sitting out last year to be honest a lot of other players didn't get that um i think day one he'll probably start at right tackle with taylor decker there at left and then frank reg now is also there at center they have a pretty strong offensive line so giving jared goff a chance first year in detroit don't really have much at the receiver position but their o-line is definitely solidified for years to come my first surprise in the draft though for me was eight the panthers going jc horn yeah i mean you know it JC Horn was kind of a late riser. I think after, you know, he ran that way faster than expected 40 time, which we'll get into that. Maybe we need to take all those with a grain of salt. It <laughs> seems like, seems like everyone was running four threes this year, but you know, I don't mind JC Horn for me personally. I think you would agree. Caleb Farley was my, he was my cornerback one. And it honestly wasn't even close. I had Hornest at my corner three. Like I like his size he didn't quite play up to that four, three, eight that he ran, but like, I think he can get a little handsy in coverage at times. And I think that he's going to get called a lot PI in the NFL, but you know, for me, I, this isn't the pick I would have made if I was Carolina, but I don't hate it. Right. I 
kind of imagine that Carolina probably tried to trade out of this pick. And uh, when they probably couldn't find anybody, kind of in this no man's land, uh, pick eight, nobody really wanted to come this high for Justin Fields, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I mean, I had JC Horn as my QB one or my corner one, sorry. Um, I'm a big fan of his like his uh technique. I get what you're saying with the like the way he plays, a lot of PI make it called, but I feel like he just learns to finish. I feel like once his eyes went up, his legs stopped moving, which kind of led to that type of like finish on plays. He tightens that up. Excellent press coverage technique. I could see him eventually, eventually mirroring uh, cor- uh wide receiver once week in and week out. And then another surprise for me was nine, Denver going Patrick Sertain. You know, again, um, another corner being taken, not named Caleb Farley. It, 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 surprised, it, it, it surprised me a little. Again, same kind of concerns I have with, with J.C. Horner, the same for Patrick Sertan. Uh, Patrick Sertan, he has limitations in who he can cover. He's not the fastest corner out there, but in terms of technique, I think he's got great technique, but that speed really concerns me because at the next level, he will get eaten alive by guys like Will Fuller or Tyree Kill. He might have to kick inside and become a nickel corner. Yeah, I think this is more of a projection pick for me. Um, that The secondary for the Broncos is definitely one of their strong suits, so I'm kind of surprised to see them kind of double down or even you could say like triple down, I guess. You already have uh, Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, Kareem Jackson back there. I do get it, though, since all three of those guys' contracts expire after next season. So you're probably not bringing back everybody. So it's, you're probably expecting to sit there, not probably play the nickel or dime role for a year, and then step into whatever role the guy they can't retain. But yeah, I still have questions about his technique as well. I think he has like the same kind of issues that Horn has is the finishing of plays, but like more so than Horn, in my opinion. But we'll see. I mean, Vic Fangio's known for good secondaries. Maybe he can coach him up, but... Yeah, I was surprised Denver went secondary at nine. Like, I was surprised that Denver and Carolina passed on Justin Fields, to be honest. I I wanted Justin Fields to go to Denver pretty badly. I don't know if that him going or not going to Denver had anything to do with the Aaron Rodgers rumors throughout the day. But I thought it would have been like their their roster's ready to win. Like, I'm sorry, but Bridgewater or Locke's not going to get it done and take them like deep. They need the guy. And I feel like Fields would have been there for them. Yeah, no, I mean, they're literally, I know it's the hardest position to fill, but they are a quarterback away from being a legit contender. Yeah, absolutely. Like you hear that thrown around a lot, but like this is a roster like built to win right now. And I feel like they drafted like they already had a quarterback. No, they definitely did. This would be a dream scenario, I feel like, for any corner to walk into. Sorry, any quarterback to walk into. You got, you know, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, Corton Sutton, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant. Like, that would be a prick situation for a QB to walk into. Yeah, I just wonder what's going to happen if they end up with Rodgers. I don't know. I feel like every day the reports change. It's fixable. It's not. But I hope for Denver's sake that Aaron Rodgers lands there because them being okay with just Bridgewater – I'm not a fan. So at 10, the Eagles, after trading, I think this will be the second trade trading up with the uh, with the Cowboys to 10, take Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama, the second Alabama wide receiver to go. I mean, I, I love it. I like the Eagles passed on DK. They passed on Justin Jefferson, but Howie Roseman, you find it took you long enough, but you finally got it right. The only concern with this guy is size 
if yeah. he was 6'3", I'm going to use the word again. We're talking about a generational talent at the wide receiver position. That's For someone who hates that word so much, you, you sure throw it around a lot. Matt. I think that's the fourth time today. So, yeah, really 10 picks in. And I, I think that's how elite he is at every aspect of the game. I mean, route running, hands, speed. Like, I love this pick. Yeah, he ticks all the boxes for sure. Like, size is the only question. NFL, when you make the transition to the NFL, you're going to bulk up. I'm sure the uh, strength and conditioning team over in Philly is definitely going to put in some work with this guy, maybe change his diet up. I'm the Earlier on in the process, I was a lot more concerned with the size than I am now post-draft. So I think it'll be a non-factor long-term. I think the Eagles got tremendous value at pick 10. while also picking up additional picks by trading back earlier on. And then I think the, I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy might just save their jobs with this pick by trading up with the Giants, but the Bears take Justin Fields at 11. No, they absolutely did save their jobs. I mean, they, they never had me fooled that they were going into the season as Andy Dalton <laughs> as their starter. I mean, they, they were saying he's going to get them Holmes treatment. I hope he does, but I don't see it happening. I think Justin Fields, will, we will see him probably by midseason. Listen, I have concerns with Justin Fields, as did everyone. I think we can turn on the tape. We can see, listen, he doesn't go through his progressions very quickly. I don't think he senses pressure very well. Like he looks like he plays the game slow. He kind of reminds me of Cam Newton. Now it's never held Cam Newton back, but you know, Cam Newton, I think he's got similar tools to Cam Newton. I think he's got a rocket of an arm. Uh, He's deadly accurate and he's got dangerous legs, but there he's not without his concerns for me but you know what overall i like the pick you gotta give your fans something to look forward to here yeah i'm a lot higher on fields i think that most people ended up being like late in the process um for me like i got the same thing with the whole he doesn't go through his progressions but then you hear like from people around ohio state he just run, he was just running the offense that's what he wants that's what they wanted him to do so it's hard for me to penalize him for that if he walks in and he struggles with that that sure i'm wrong but I just have a feeling that he was just doing what he was supposed to do. And obviously he did a little bit more with his leg talent. And I mean, Hey, I feel by week five, you'll probably be playing because Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. Um, they probably shouldn't start him day one. Cause schedule came out today. They're playing the Rams week one. And I don't think that would go very well for a rookie QB week one. Yeah. But, imagine having Aaron Donald in your grill week one. Yeah. Trying to throw to Allen Robinson with Jalen Ramsey draped all over him. No, thank you. <laughs> so at number 12, I have a pretty strong opinion on this pick, but Micah Parsons is a pick there. What do you think? I'm curious to hear your opinion, but I I absolutely love the pick. I thought Micah Parsons was the best defensive player in the entire draft. I think he's just an athletic freak. Like he can blow up plays in the backfield. He can rush the QB. He, when I turn on the tape, I say, man, this guy's Khalil Mack 2.0. He was the best, I think the best defender in the draft by a large margin and the best linebacker prospect for me since Luke Keekley. I'm not going to give him the G word generational <laughs> label, but you were but, earlier in the process. You did give but, him that label. You did do it. I'm going to rescind that. I'm going to say he's pretty damn close, but he's not quite generational, but he's, he's, he's bordering on it. Okay. So let me make, make myself very clear here. Love the player. Absolutely love him. I thought he should have been like a top seven pick. Just the QBs got moved up towards the end. So he slid. I hate the fit. Hate it. Like if obviously Dallas had a historically bad defense last year, especially earlier early in the year, 
But what's one spot they invested so much money and capital into? It's their linebackers. You have Leighton Van Der Esch and uh, Jalen Smith still there. A first-round pick and a second-round pick you've already given a huge contract to. Like, you need secondary help. You need to bolster that D-line. Like, why are you double-dipping in at linebacker? Like, that, they had a down year last year. You expect them to play better. At least you think they would. Why would you go another linebacker there? I don't get it. I feel like they could have, I don't know, try to trade down again. I'm not sure who would be trading up. But I just feel like, like even Rashawn Slater, I feel like would have, would have been a better pick. Like everybody on their O-line's aging. Like, I feel like there was a luxury pick with a team with a lot of holes. No, I, I definitely can. I can definitely get behind that. He he didn't fit. I don't think an immediate need for them. They needed help on defense, but they needed help in the secondary. Personally, for me, because their secondary was so atrocious, I would have taken Caleb Farley. But I'm not going to ever fault the team for taking best player available. So I can I can I can live with it. Yeah, I mean, long term it might work out, but I'm interested to see what the future of Jalen Smith is with that team because he's the most expensive guy there now. So he might have a target on his back. Number 13, charged with a very solid pick, in my opinion, taking Rashawn Slater Jr. from Northwestern. No, completely agree. Versatile, can play all over the offensive line, any position on the offensive line. His tape against Chase Young in college was great. I think that really elevated him up a lot of boards. Um, this was a phenomenal pick by the Chargers. They need to protect their they need to protect their franchise because. You know, he made, he, he didn't, he, his line was arguably just as bad as Joe Burrow's last year. Maybe Herbert just has a better ability to get out of the pocket. I don't know, but how he was able to dominate behind that garbage of an offensive line, all while missing Austin Eckler last year. I think it's just, it's just insane. Yeah. I mean, look at the Chargers last year. Like you look at the stats, you would have no idea that Chargers probably had the worst line in the league last year. One, one off season later. They're looking pretty good at O-line. That you signed Corey Lindsley, you still have uh, Brian Bulaga there at right tackle. He slide Rashawn Slater in that left tackle. I mean, Herbert's going to have time. Keaton Allen's still there. Mike Williams in a contract here. Let's see what he's able to do. But I'm excited to see this Chargers offense in 2021. At 14, the Jets traded up to get an O-lineman, which is something I don't think they ever did for Sam Darnold, but they took Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. Yeah, you know, I'm not... I'm not sure how I feel about this pick. Like I like the idea of protecting Zach Wilson and committing to like protecting him, which is something that they never afforded to Sam Donald. You know, I don't think it was worth trading up for 23 to take Elijah Bear Tucker. A lot of, you know, a lot of people say he profiles as a guard at the next level. Not quite sure he was worth trading up, especially since they traded back with Minnesota and Minnesota ended up getting Derisaw which is the guy I would have taken here, but I don't, I don't hate the pick. I like the idea of signing or sorry, excuse me, protecting Zach Wilson, but it's not the direction I would have gone. Right. I know at 14, there was more, there's a lot of action at that pick. The saints were apparently trying to get up to take Mac Jones and uh, the jets at least thought that the Patriots were going to take Elijah Vera Tucker at 15. Had they not traded up? Um, he def as somebody who's an avid USC fan, definitely projects better as a guard than a tackle. Put him next to uh, Makai Becton. Your left side's really set for like as long as you keep them, in my opinion. I'm a very big uh, fan of uh, Vera Tucker. As the year went on last year, I feel like he's got better and better, and I think he'll fit in well with the Jets. I'm just happy that they're actually going to make an attempt to uh, help their quarterback out this time around. And then at 15, I feel like the guy who was probably talked about the most, at least quarterback-wise, the entire draft process, Mac Jones, 
lands in New England with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Yeah, no, I definitely, I think we all, I think everybody has strong opinions on Mac Jones and there's no in-between. Either you think he's the next Tom Brady or you think he sucks. Uh, I wouldn't quite say he sucks, but I'm definitely not saying he's Tom Brady, but I wasn't a big fan of this pick. I felt the Pats kind of got backed into a corner because they were afraid fans were going to riot if Cam Newton had another year like last. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, Mac Jones, he's got like a below average arm. He's touted for his accuracy, but you go watch the film. His deep accuracy really lacks at times. And I found like Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith had to like come back to the ball, make an amazing catch over a defender because the ball placement just wasn't there. Maybe he just doesn't have the arm. Uh, he's not mobile. Honestly, to me, he reminds me so much of Jake Fromm. Maybe he had a better offensive line than Fromm in college, a better running game. His ceiling is, to me, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. There was rumors about like him going number three. And like, is he ever going to be even as good as Garoppolo? And New England out there, like you look at the quarterbacks open on, on the open market. You look at guys like, you know, Jimmy G or, or Marcus Mariota, who are available for pennies right now. I, I, I would have rather went had a proven commodity like one of those guys. I'm not, I'm not saying Mariota's proven, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo at least is proven. So, and one, one last thing I just want to say is that Mac Jones lacks elite arm strength and mobility. I dare someone to find me one QB in today's game, not named Tom Brady, who lacks those two things. Yeah, I mean, the comment on Mac Jones at three, I feel like I believed it just for the fact that when you have like Chris Sims, and Adam Schefter and Jay Glazer immediately saying it's for Mac Jones. I feel like there's some there was some truth to that initially. I don't like obviously through the process that changed because the pick wasn't three. It wasn't Mac Jones at three. It was Trey Lance. But for me, for Mac Jones, I feel like this is for those all those flaws that you laid out. This is the place you'd probably want to go. He will probably sit the entire year behind Cam Newton, learning this offense because it's very timing based. And if you get the timing down, who cares if his arm strength's not great? Because like. We watched it with Brady. Like, even though Brady has better arm strength than Mac Jones, they never really aired it out through it deep. It was all timing stuff over the middle. It was short option routes. You get that down, get that chemistry with the wide receivers. He'll be just fine, in my opinion. But of course, the ceiling's not there. I feel like he, I think that Kirk, Kirk Cousins' projections fair, but I mean that's not the worst thing to do in the world. Kirk Cousins is pretty good, so I feel like he'll have a pretty good career. But I don't see the superstar potential I see from the other top four guys. No, I mean, like the Kirk Cousins, you know, that, that ceiling, if he reaches it, that Kirk Cousins is a solid starting quarterback, but you look at how Jimmy Garoppolo all of a sudden becomes expendable. I'm going to take the proven commodity, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's probably comp- comparable to a Kirk Cousins. I'll take the proven Jimmy Garoppolo over right. spending, you know, 15th overall pick on a quarterback who maybe his ceiling is Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like pre-draft especially now it's different pre-draft the asking price on jimmy g was definitely higher like i don't i probably not the first round pick you saw reported but i feel like it would have been a second plus another pick and i don't know i feel like when you have a guy you can mold from scratch especially for a guy like josh mcdaniel i feel like it's pretty alluring and probably why they didn't go in that direction because it was heavily rumored for like months it felt like and then at 16 the cardinals after going Isaiah Simmons last year, goes Zayvon Collins, linebacker from Tulsa. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the pick. Not the linebacker I would have taken. I would have taken JOK. He was the obvious linebacker, best linebacker available for me here. I don't think this fits the biggest need for Arizona. I think replacing Patrick Peterson, 
I think with Caleb Farley would yep. have been would have been a, a perfect move. I think Caleb Farley's game is actually really reminiscent to PP. So that would have been the direction I took, but I don't I don't hate the pick. Yeah, Saul plug and play guy. I think he'll slide in next to uh Isaiah Simmons probably day one. And I think he'll be good. I mean, I wasn't super high on him. I was definitely higher on JOK, but hey, I don't hate the value. It's a little bit early for me for him, but Cardinals got a guy that can play day one, and it's probably what they're looking for on defense. And at 17, kind of probably the biggest quote unquote head scratcher of the first round, depending on who you ask, Alex Leatherwood's the pick for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, do you expect anything else from the Raiders? No. Like, let's be real. <laughs> Absolutely but, not. You know, I don't mind Alex Leatherwood. I mean, preseason, he was kind of the consensus second overall offensive lineman after Pene Sewell. Like, I mean, he won the Outland Trophy. I don't know why he fell this year. I don't necessarily mind this pick. I think a lot of people are concerned he's not offensive tackle at the next level, which, you know, it's pretty rich 17th overall if you're going to get a guard. But what I have a problem with, with this pick is that after the pick is made, Mike Mayock says he was our top offensive lineman, even ahead of Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater. That's where the problem is for me. Cause yeah, if you didn't have Penny Sewell number one, I, I, I'm seriously questioning you. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. For me, this is kind of an aside on Mike Mayock. Like he only, had, he only did like two mock drafts a year when he worked for NFL network. The first one was very like off like the beaten track as far as like the consensus. I'm on, and then he probably talked to people. And then by the time, like the two, day before the draft, when he drops his final one, it was kind of more in line. I'm wondering since he's not really talking to other people when he's just talking to Gruden, maybe he's just a little bit off. No, he definitely could be. He was always a guy that never just kind of went with the flow when he was on NFL Network. Like yeah. when they hired him, I expected big things because I was a big fan of his on NFL Network. And you've seen since he's been hired, you've seen Henry Ruggs being taken over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. You take Cleland Farrell over Josh Allen. You take yeah. Damon Arnett in the first round. Like just head scratcher after head scratcher. So I'm not, yeah, not his I, biggest fan. I get the line of thinking to an extent. Like obviously you want to build a culture in was Oakland, now Las Vegas. But you're prioritizing that too much over just skill in my opinion. Yes, the guy's a team captain, but like, it was he the best guy on the board? I would I would have really rather had Darisaw here at 17, but Leatherwood, he's ready to play day one, probably plugs in at right tackle for them, and hey, another guy for uh, Josh Jacobs to have a hole open for him. And now Kenyon Drake, so that's going to be the messiest back. Oh, I totally for Kenyon Drake's just there to mess up fantasy projections, man, I swear. No matter there's where an, it goes. There's another There's another reason to hate Mike Mayock. He completely, just, <laughs> he completely just muddied that backfield. True. No, I totally agree. At 18, I feel like it's incredible value. The Dolphins with their second pick in the first round went Jalen Phillips, edge from Miami. Like, yeah, outstanding pick. He's my number one edge rusher. He's explosive, outstanding first step, long arms. Like the only thing that was keeping this guy from being a top 10 pick was his lengthy injury history. So no, Dolphins hit this one out of the park. He's probably my early pick for defensive rookie of the year. Oh, absolutely. Especially at edge, you know, sacks matter when it comes to rewards. I think if he stays healthy, the sky is literally the limit. Without the injury concerns, he's probably a top five pick, probably first even to player off the board, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate what happened to him at UCLA, but nice bounce back over Miami. Hopefully he can translate that going to the pro Miami team from the Hurricanes. 
at 19, probably my least favorite first round pick, Jameen Davis, linebacker from Kentucky. Yeah, no, me and you talked at length about this after the draft. We were lower on him than most. I mean, I think what elevated Jamin Davis was his 4-3. And yeah. when you turn on the tape, he looks nothing like a 4-3. He looks yeah. like a 4-6 four, four, linebacker. When you turn on the tape and see JOK, I see legit 4-3 speed there. Yeah. Yeah, in no way would I have ever even entertained this guy over JOK. This, this wasn't my favorite pick. Yeah, for me, the measurables are great. Outstanding. The problem, I think, is... He does. He takes too long to process what he's seeing, and the only reason he's not doesn't look out of place when he's when that happens is because he's so fast. So even though he's behind, he can make up to it. So it's like makes like a decent play. Like if you have to read and react as like an off ball linebacker, you've already lost. You're gonna get washed. You're gonna the second level or the O lineman's already get to the second level by the time they've like handed the ball off, and you're gonna be washed out of the play. For me, like. He has these. He has decent covered skills because he's so fast. But like, uh, I just can't see him getting through like a sea of blockers or really tracked on that running back. He's too much of a read and react guy more than anticipating what's going to happen. At twenty, the Giants, after trading back with the Bears, pick up an extra first, which is Dave Gettleman, man, it's doing new things, I guess. In like whatever yeah, year this seriously. is, him at GM, wide receiver Kadarius Tony from Florida. You know, Carries Tony's is, is so fun to watch. I mean, the guy's like a human joystick after the catch. He's impossible to bring down. You know, I loved watching him play. But, you know, his size, he's, he's, he's limited to the slot. Let's make no mistake about yeah. it. Right now, you know, his routes do need work. But I understand he's only been playing wide receiver for, I believe, two years. So there's definitely, there's a lot of room to grow there. If I was, if you were dead set on taking a, a slot wide receiver, maybe to compliment Kenny Galladay, and replace Golden Tate, I would have personally taken Elijah Moore. I just felt yeah. Elijah Moore is a superior route runner. He's got better hands. But I like Kadarius Tony's upside, but it's not the pick I would have made. Yeah, I thought Tony's going to go like high round two. And that always you see that run of wide receivers in round two. I thought he'd go there. Um, I thought this pick was going to be Derisaw, personally. The Giants could use another tackle, in my opinion. And hey, but like another weapon. But it makes me wonder about the future for Sterling Shepard because he was kind of their penciled in at the slot there. So I feel like long-term probably not in their plans anymore, but Tony's exciting. One thing concerns me is production was only there last year. Before that, not much to, not much to see as far as his production. Cause uh, year before that was more Van Jefferson than it was Tony, but we'll see how he translates to the pro game. Super fast, shifty. I think he'll make an instant day one impact. I completely agree with the Derisaw pick. I, I completely agree. The Giants do need help on their offensive line. Andrew Thomas, I know it's only been a year, but he was bad. He he wasn't yeah. good. Like You need to cement that offensive line if you actually want to give Daniel Jones a chance to succeed. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, the, the name left me when I was talking about it. Nate Solder's not worked out at all. Like, terrible signing. Like, you need, like, you could probably, I'm pretty sure you can get, there's an out after this year, contract-wise. Like, you need to, like, I wouldn't even start him this year if he didn't have to. I feel like Derisaw would have played much better than Solder, but hey, we're not GMs, so that's not our call. Yet, yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> At 21, the Colts taking Quiddy Pay, edge rusher from Michigan. 
I, I love this pick. I was, I was actually really surprised he did fall to 21. He's a, he's a freak athlete. He clocked a four, five, seven, his play speed actually, I think matches up to that. I think yeah. him and DeForest Buckner are just going to give opposing quarterbacks nightmares and Chris Ballard. I can't say enough good things about him. He, he hit another home run with this pick. Yeah. I think it's a good time to talk about 40 times. I think you're starting to see a shift away from 40 time. I know a team, I just saw an article from Jordan Rodriguez in The Athletic talking about how the Rams have shifted towards using GPS tracking data provided by the schools to really see how fast guys play. Because you saw it this year where the 40 time came from pro days. Those aren't timed properly. You can't can't rely on those times. So like I've always felt that tape was more important than measurables regardless. But I feel like with GPS data, like I feel like the 40 time really starts to become irrelevant. As far as pace fit, I love it in a 4-3 defense for uh, Eberflus in Indy. I think it'll be great where he's just focused on like rushing the passer and he'll excel there. And your guy goes at 22 to the Titans, Caleb Farley, the corner. My boy, Caleb Farley, my favorite prospect in this draft, the steal to me of round one, by far and away, my cute, my top corner, the best corner prospect since Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I can't say good enough things about this guy. There's no flaws in his game. He's got great size, rare speed for a guy his size. Yeah. He's got blanket coverage. I mean, the only concern is the back injuries. Otherwise, if Okuda is a third overall pick, Caleb Farley is like a second or first overall pick. That's how that's how much of a separation I think there is. Yeah, I was also very high on Farley. Of course, he was another guy that kind of got weirdly, I don't know, like downgraded because he decided to skip out last year, which I don't really understand because COVID, man. Like, I can't really blame a guy for not wanting to play football. But the injury does give me more pause than it does for you just because you look at a lower back injury for a corner where hip rotations everything and being able to turn on a dime if he comes back from that fine slam dunk if not i have a question is long-term viability in the league no you're completely right with the injury history like this could end up being another sydney jones yeah because like 2019 tape was off the charts like oh my god this guy's good but he's just to see on the field yeah, no, but like this could come back to definitely burn the Titans. But if if he is healthy, and I'm, I've kind of heard like a rumor or two that he probably will be ready by training camp. I mean, they got the best corner in the draft and they got him at 22, 22nd overall. I mean, just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. High risk, high reward. But I mean, the Titans, if it works out, then all the power to them. But I feel like if they if it doesn't work out, they're going to look back like we could have filled another need. We're taking another corner that's probably a little bit safer at that spot. The tw- at 23, the Vikings, after trading back, take a guy I thought they might have taken when before they traded back and Christian Darisaw, the tackle from Virginia Tech. No, I heard that is who they were going to take at 14, and they were worried that he wouldn't be there at 23. But, man, Rick Spielman, I tell you, continues yeah. to work his magic. Just what what unbelievable value. He's my second-rated offensive lineman. He's massive. He's a freak athlete. He'll walk in and be a quality starting left tackle day one in the NFL. This was almost to me. Not quite as big a steal as Caleb Farley, but it was pretty damn close. Yeah, I'm surprised at how far he slid. I thought, like, honestly, it got to a point where I thought every pick was going to be Darisaw. So, I mean, I might just be really high on the guy. But I think just long-term viability, protecting Kirk Cousins, and then whoever comes after that, because I don't think he, they'll re-up his deal. But I think when you have the weapons that the Vikings have, you got to give the guy back their time to throw the ball. And I think Darisaw will do that for a long time. At 24, the Steelers probably took 
the most predictable pick besides one and two with Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, he was my top running back in the draft, but it, it's not the pick I would have made. This was for me, the weakest running back class I've seen in a little while. And I didn't see a first round talent at the running back position. Like if Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift are second round picks last year, I don't think there's any way Najee should have went round one, but I, I like him as a prospect. He's big. He's got like rare receiving abilities for a guy his size. He will walk into 25 touches a game in this offense. I you pencil it in. He's winning offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, probably 300 touches year one. It would be my guess, but yeah, before I started looking into Najee, I saw the comparison for Steven Jackson, me being a huge Steven Jackson fan scoffed at it. But the more I saw, the more I believed in that comp. You're you're right. Big guy, rare receiving skills for a guy that big. And I like it long-term, but man, the Steelers could have went in a lot of directions here. And I feel like running backs kind of a luxury pick that they don't really have the luxury of taking most likely. And then at 25, the second running back, I didn't think there would be, I, I do there'd be one. I knew Harris was going to go 24 because everybody knew that. But at 25, the Jaguars with their second pick, they got in the Jalen Ramsey trade, take Travis Etienne from Clemson to reunite him with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You know, in, in my opinion, this was the worst pick around one. I don't know about you. Um, James, yeah. Rob- James Robinson was an absolute stud last year with all the holes the Jaguars have. Did you really feel the need to have to go and replace James Robinson? James Robinson, like this pick to no. me screams, "Hey, let's just go bring in Trevor Lawrence's buddy here." Like uh, yeah. with guys with difference makers on D, like Barnmore, JOK, Jason Away, or getting another weapon for Trevor with Rashawn Bateman available. Like, yeah, and like it's one thing you had James Robinson, and then you signed Carlos Hyde, who's like the ultimate spell pack, spell back. No matter where he goes, he's productive as run, like running back to in any offense. And you bring in a guy who in the same press conferences, you, you say he's running back three, third down back. And you also, and you also say that you wanted Tony, even though he went five picks before you, like, I don't really get what urban Meyer was trying to convey when he was talking about that, to be honest. I mean, Etienne, I love, I love him as a player, super fast, hits the hole hard, but like, Sometimes his vision was a little bit iffy, but hey, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence is happy. It's probably what's most important right now in Jacksonville. And then at 26, Cleveland goes corner, adding to an already deep corner room with Greg Newsom the second. Yeah, I thought this was a super underrated pick. I was a lot higher than than most on Greg Newsom. He was actually my corner two after Caleb Farley, ahead of guys like Horn and Sertan. Those other guys are handsy in coverage, like with Newsom. He's, he'll shadow the wide receiver, go up and make a play on the ball at the last second. Like he relies so much more on his technique rather than his physicality. He's got good size. He's got phenomenal recovery speed. He's a great athlete. Like Andrew Barry, I tell you, this guy just continues <laughs> to just make everyone look stupid. Well, I think he has something that a lot of people lack is just common sense. He just sees it, it's like, well, that's definitely what we should do. And he actually just does it. I feel like a lot of GMs don't do that for whatever reason my only thing is greg newsome awesome player i agree with your your evaluation there kind of he comes in as corner four denzel ward greedy williams troy hill to design for the rams like troy hill super underrated he'll probably start as their nickel corner like i don't really see where greg newsome plays day one 
I don't know what you think about that, his fit day one. No, that's fair. It probably wasn't an immediate need for the Browns, but the Browns are a pretty deep roster top to bottom. Safety was their biggest need, and they went yeah. and got, they went post John Johnson. Sorry, sorry, Nerm. Ah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I think it was just a matter of probably taking best player available here. That, that, that team is just so deep top to bottom. Yeah. As far as when, like, not drafting need or anywhere close to a need, when you take like probably close to the best player on the board of that spot, you can't really be mad at it. I'm just more wondering when he actually sees the field because it's it's kind of a crime to let a let a talent like Newsom sit on the bench for too long. And at 27, the Ravens take your favorite receiver, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I seriously, it like kept me up at night deciding between my one, two, and three, between <laughs> Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Rashad Bateman. At yeah, we had, we, had, we had many conversations about where we where that uh, ranking like, shook out. Half our text chain is just like, okay, well, today Jamar Chase is my WR1. <laughs> no, well, today it's Devontae Smith. Today it's Rashad Bateman. Ultimately, I settled on him as my wide receiver three. This guy is – I just have, don't have enough good things to say about him. He's an elite route runner, just can make guys look stupid. Is reminds me a lot of Devontae Adams. That's some pretty lofty praise I'm throwing his way. He's got great hands, great size. Uh, he clocked in at, in the four, in the high four threes, and I will say I don't think his game speed matches right. up to that. I agree. I still love. I, I regardless, I love the pick. Lamar finally got his uh, wide receiver one. Yeah, I, I love Bateman's versatility too. Besides the measurables, he can play in the slot, he can play on the outside. I think that really helps with Lamar because Lamar is still working on that outside, th- like throwing outside the numbers. So I feel like a guy who could come over the middle and make a play is definitely going to help in his development. And then as he comes along, Bateman will be a weapon on the outside as well. Can't agree with more with your evaluation there. At 28, a surprise to me at least. And from watching the Bleacher Report feed for the draft, Cam Jordan was very surprised by this pick. Peyton Turner, the uh, defensive end from Houston. It was definitely a surprise to me too. I had heard earlier in that day that the Saints wanted to move up into the top 10 for a corner, which like I didn't understand at all. No. But no, this was a surprise. If if you were going edge rusher, I personally like guys like Aziz Ojalare, Jason Owe, and Gregory Rousseau more. Um yeah. I don't I don't I don't hate the pick, but I'm not it's not something I'm jumping up and down over. The, the Saints make a lot of questionable moves like this when they especially when they trade up for like Marcus Davenport. Yeah. For sure. Like I thought that's what I thought of when I saw this pick. I'm like, Davenport really hasn't done much since he's been drafted there. Like people are framing this as the heir apparent to Cam Jordan. I don't think Cam Jordan's going anywhere, at least for the next like four years. I think he'll be the guy that lines up opposite of Peyton Turner. Uh, Peyton Turner will be the guy lining up opposite of Cam Jordan. Sorry. Cause I, yeah, Davenport so far hasn't lived up to expectations and let's see if, uh, da- if Turner could have more success than he's had. And then at 29, a pick that I thought 100% was going to be a wide receiver. The Green Bay Packers take Eric Stokes, the corner from Georgia. I, you know, I think these guys are just trying to piss off Aaron Rodgers on purpose now. <laughs> they're doing a great job. And they're doing Fantastic. a mighty, mighty fine job. But, like, I don't understand this pick. If you're going to take a corner, okay, that's fine. Make sure you get the right one. This guy wasn't even the best corner on his team. His yep. teammate, Tyson Campbell, <laughs> yep. is a better corner. For me... I would have taken Elijah Moore here. I think he would fit that Randall Cobb role like like a glove. Yeah. It's a man, like the Packers, like it shouldn't be this hard. But they seem to make it challenging on themselves and like they put out a play like the victim afterwards. Kind of makes me mad. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I feel like you could have waited till round two 
to take a corner, especially. I feel like Stokes might have been there in round two. It's like at where they where they picked. I definitely think there's a there there was definitely a chance he was there in the second round. Yeah, Elijah Moore would have fit perfectly. I feel like he's a little he has a more upside than Randall Cobb ever did, and I think next to like opposite or next to Devonte Devonte Adams where you you slide him in would have been super productive with Aaron Rodgers. But here we are, and Rodgers wants out. But let's see how that shakes out. At 30, the Bills took Greg Rousseau, another guy you were high on, another edge from Miami. What do you think? Yeah, no, I love I love Greg Rousseau. He was a guy that his stock just, like, tumbled so hard this year. I mean, after his 2019 season with the 15 and a half sacks, he was kind of thought of as the first defender off the board, even ahead of Micah Parsons. So, you know, I don't exactly know what happened. I think people just picked apart the film and and I kind of heard this from a lot of people that a lot of his 15 and a half sacks were coverage sacks. Doesn't really concern me a lot. I mean, the guy's an absolute mammoth, 6'7, 270. I think this is this is a good upside pick here. I don't know. I don't think he should have fallen this far. Yeah, I feel like it's like a tale of like two stories almost with Greg or so. Depending like who you like if a lot of people like admittedly like how many people were really tuning into Miami uh week in week out we're looking at the box score in 2019 and like wow look at this guy if you look at the analytics they weren't super high on him but obviously has all the traits you want in an edge rusher so hopefully in Buffalo they have a really good defense there just adds to it hopefully he could uh, develop and turn into a contributor there and at 31, the pick that the uh, Ravens got from the Chiefs retraining Orlando Brown Jr they take Jason away. Yeah, I, I really like this pick. He's just an athletic freak. I mean, his again, we're going to take 40 times with a grain of salt, but clocked in at a 4-3-6. Which is uh, ridiculous. His, which is ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. That's like Montez Sweat, man. <laughs> like, holy. <laughs> um, his sack numbers were underwhelming. And I heard from a lot of other places that, you know, and I went back and watched the film myself that he does, he generates a lot of pressure. He's disruptive. He's always in the quarterback's face he's getting a lot of quarterback hits so that maybe just be a case of a guy who is maybe a victim of bad luck in college and the sack yep. production will come in the nfl but yeah i mean i kind of i very much agree with your evaluation there like you watch the film like you see like he's a very good player and i love the fit with the ravens they always seem to develop pass rushers nicely so like in three years i would not be surprised if oa this has like a 13 sack season 15 sack season i think he has that type of potential has those type of traits and i really hope it works out for him in baltimore and then at 32 the super bowl champion buccaneers take joe tryon edge from washington this was a surprise to me um yeah i didn't i didn't watch a ton of him I, I understand and you know from what i've watched and read that he's kind of a tweener situational pass rusher and he's kind of limited to a three four outside linebacker role and i think three four outside linebacker that seems like aziz ojalari would be the obvious pick there but yeah that, that's who i would have gone but i don't i don't hate this pick i mean 32 they got a guy that is probably going to step in and contribute from the start. I like the fact that they did take a guy who will step in and play and they didn't try to pull like a green Bay Packers and take a quarterback to go and sit. Like I like that they have a guy to try to go and defend that title. Yeah. I'm with you there. They must think that Joe Tryon has a higher ceiling than I think he has. I watched a decent amount of PAC 12 football. So I did see him a couple of times. Of course with COVID, I felt like every second game was getting canceled or postponed in that conference but that's a whole other conversation good tools i mean he gets to learn from shaquille barrett and jpp not a terrible situation pretty good if you ask me and i think once jpp moves on i think he will plug in nicely assuming he develops like we think he will all right and that's all 32 picks what was your favorite pick out of the first round 
Damn, you're only gonna make, only gonna let me choose one. Yep, because if I gave you three, it'd be too easy. It would be too easy. I, I I gotta go with Caleb Farley. I think you know that one. Well, I knew it was coming. I, was, I, <laughs> I wanted to make you like put it on film, and so we can look back at this and be like, you either nailed it or you fucked up. But guy. I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna put an asterisk if healthy Caleb Farley. <laughs> other, otherwise, otherwise Rashad Bateman already jumping ship. It's been ten <laughs> seconds. Is already jumping ship on the guy. <laughs> you love to see it. Um, for me. I love the Justin Fields pick. I'm I for Heat for me he was QB two. I never really understood why Zach Wilson arose above him, but I think long term he's going to be spectacular in Chicago and have the their best QB since Sid Luckman. And I don't think anybody alive today that watches the Bears knows who Sid Luckman is. So I was going to say, what do you think? Just on the flip side, what do you think was the worst pick around one? <sighs> I feel like just, we might have the same answer here. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go fit. Like, I'm almost going to say Micah Parsons for the reason I said before. But, like, just overall, you have to go Jameen Davis, at least for me. Like, you just look at it. I have a very strong feeling that, like, in a year or two, they're going to be back in the first round drafting a linebacker in the exact same spot because they're going to realize what we've seen is that, like, he just doesn't play as fast. He doesn't process quickly enough to really be, like, a like because middle of the first round, that guy needs to be, like, good to great. I don't think he's going to be good to great. He's to be closer to average, in my opinion, in the NFL. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. But I'm gonna go with like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Travis Etienne as my, and, and it's not anything to do with the player whatsoever. Like Jamin Davis is to do with like his, you know, what we see on film. Travis Etienne is a great running back. Don't let's not let's get that straight. But yeah, the fit and what you already had in James Robinson, I think that had to be the worst pick I've seen of this draft and. Going back to maybe last year, I don't know. It's up there with Jordan Love. Yeah, I mean, like how how Jaguars is that though? You luck out, you just snag a gem under after free agent with James Robinson, and then you somehow mess it up in the first round the next year. Like that takes that's almost impressive how you how you do that. To be honest, I just knew that you know when a rookie running back kind of or just a rookie by any metric, like an undrafted rookie comes in and performs a lot above expected. I almost feel like the team holds the guy back. And when they went and signed Carlos Hyde, I was like, oh my God. Okay, fine. It's Carlos Hyde. He's not the yeah. greatest of talent out there. But like, I always just kind of knew these guys just are not going to be willing to give the keys to James Robinson. And sure enough, they, they managed to mess it up. It's one thing not to give him the keys long-term, but you don't even give the guy the chance. Like, I have a feeling if you like push, because I don't believe the third down running back for a second, Etienne's going to get the majority of touches. That's just what that's what my feeling on the situation is. Robinson will go to another team and he'll play really well, and the Jaguars are going to look foolish again, like what the Jaguars have done in recent history. I don't like the ETN pick either, but I like ETN more as a player than I do Jameen Davis, so that might be why I went there instead. An overall winner for the draft, who you got? I know, disclaimer, we know drafting or grading a draft right after the draft really doesn't make any sense, but we're going to do it anyway. It's May in the NFL calendars. Sue us. <laughs> what was your uh, who is your uh, winner in this draft? You know, I would love to give an answer that's like different from the consensus out there, but I really can't say anybody other than Cleveland. Just, I, I mean, getting JOK in round two. I, if they would have yeah. taken JOK instead of Greg Newsom at twenty six, that might have been like my biggest steal of round one. The fact that he went in the second round to me, this guy. Any almost in any other draft is the top linebacker. He looks like a Darius Land yep. 2.0 to me. And those two picks alone, I don't really know the rest of their draft very much, but those two picks alone, they won the draft. 
yeah, for me, just to be have a different opinion to talk about something other than the Browns, because we seem to just be gushing about the Browns. The Lions, I think they did a great job, especially with a team that's like definitely rebuilding from the from the bottom. We can say it. The Lions fans probably wouldn't disagree with us either. If you take you really address your O line and your D line, it's a solid foundation a bit like to build on. No matter what, no matter how flashy the game gets, the game is won in the trenches. We saw that in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, all the skill talent in the world, they got dominated up front and Mahomes had run for his life and they lost pretty badly to the Bucs. So I love the idea of building it up from, from the inside out and then drafts going forward, you can get the skill talent when you have that rock solid foundation. And especially underrated pick, I feel like not enough people are talking about. You were really high on him. I'm on St. Brown in the fifth round. Are you kidding? It's incredible value. No, I, I completely agree. I, I, Lions would probably be my second my second favorite draft out of any team. I mean, you look at that offensive line with Taylor Drecker, Frank Ragnow, and, and Penny Sewell. You got DeAndre Swift. You still need some pass catchers. You got yeah, they have Saint no Brown wide receiver. And, they have no and, wide receiver talent right now. <laughs> and basically Hawkinson. But you know that's that's a sneaky underrated offense. Like I'm, we're not obviously the two biggest Jared Goff fans out there. But if you get a high pick in next year's draft. They could, they could be a team on the rise this, as early as next year. And the good thing is, like, if you since you're giving Jared Goff a chance with by drafting O line so heavily and like addressing that need, you just extended Frank Reg now too, so he's there long term. You have to really see what Jared Goff can do outside of a McVay offense, because I know a lot of people will say that any success that he had was attributed to him, and then any failure were or attributed to a McVay, any failure was on Goff, and we don't know how fair that is until he plays somewhere else. So I'm glad they're giving him a chance, because I know a lot of people, at least externally, were talking quarterback at seven, and I don't really think that the uh, Lions ever really seriously con- uh, were convinced of that, uh, unless like Lawrence fell to them at seven, which never was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think long-term, I don't think Jared Goff will be the answer, but I'm just glad they're giving him a shot, because I mean, hey, you got him back with your two first-round picks, your third pick for Stafford, see what the guy can do. Just like with his contract situation, it wasn't going to make sense to move off of him like yeah. that. He has to play this year. I don't really know if there's any ways out of his contract afterwards, but as early as next year, if you're picking in the top five, there's there's some really nice looking quarterbacks next year. If you can land maybe a maybe be somehow worse than Houston, you can maybe land Spencer Rattler. I mean, watch, watch out for the Lions. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think one thing people really talked about, the Lions actually restructured Goff's deal. So I think, they have to, I think they're tied to him for two years now. But I mean, hey, like one year with the rookie quarterback to cost next to nothing wouldn't matter. But I'm inter- interested to see if they'll give him a longer leash than initially expected. All right, so that's our thoughts on the draft. Primarily first round, you kind of got our thoughts outside the first round as well. Um, stay tuned. We're first show. We're looking to do some stuff, team free views, some betting futures, some fantasy projections as well. We're going to lean heavily into fantasy. So just uh, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, see you next time.